Welcome to episode 272 of the All the Books Show, the official podcast of the David A. Howe Public Library. We're talking book news, author news, and literary news. All right, I'm Eric Mickles. I'm Nick Gunning. I start first. How are you doing today, my friend? Fine. You enjoying that Chick-fil-A? Don't say that. Don't tell people that's what I'm eating. Oh, sorry. Are you enjoying that? Are you enjoying that seasoned chicken from a fast food restaurant? Thank you for this. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, my gosh. Well, uh, today we're going to be talking a little bit about Mr. Steven Spielberg. This was, uh, as I mentioned last week, this was one that we've tossed around many times, usually Eric doing the tossing. Uh, and, and this would be about the time when West Side Story I... would be out. Yeah. So, oh, my word. In lieu of that, we're going to talk some of our favorite Steven Spielberg movies later on. Yeah. You know, today I realized this podcast is now on its third president. That's pretty impressive, right? Looking at the longevity. Wow. We started this during the Obama years. So crazy. Uh-huh. Crazy. Yeah. Here we are. Here oh, I we thought are. you were going to describe the, the years that followed, but uh, good call. <laughs> yeah, uh, we started during the Obama years. <laughs> yeah, you can tell where we were in time by like, boy, reading is fun. Go to your library <laughs> to like a couple episodes ago. Like, I don't even know. Why do you no, know the book anymore? The first like six months, we're all talking about Joyce Carol Oates. That was, oh, that's true. That yeah. was the early That's days. how you knew. That's yep. how you knew we were in the Obama that's years. That's how you can tell. Um, yeah, Obama, President Obama gave her the, what, Presidential Medal of Freedom? He gave George no. Carol Oates an award. I don't even remember what She, it was. uh, disturbs me, and There's, I find her, uh, her writing to be provocative, yet, uh, disturbing. That is actually a, a very good summation of a Joyce Carol Oates novel. Yes, President Obama awarded the National Humanities Medal to Joyce Carol Oates in t- 2011. Oh. Hmm. All right, let's uh, let's crack open the book, see where those yeah. bookmarks are at. Did I say I finished the Rise and Fall of the Dinosaurs? Well, I don't by know, Stephen but I can't remember. But I know I'm not allowed to talk about. No, it. next week is Dino November. You know this. Well, I read it anyway. Okay, and I liked it, and. Did I say on the podcast how, like, sometimes when I'm reading a book about, like, dinosaurs, whenever they get to the part where the dinosaurs die, right. I always kind of get sad yeah. and maybe hope at the end they don't die. That something happens, yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's like every time I watch King Kong, I'm like, maybe he'll make it. <laughs> nope. Not, no, nope. Not him time. and the dinosaurs. All right, well, we'll talk more about uh, that then next week. All right. I started reading Scar Tissue by Anthony Kiedis. Oh, Okay, from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, lead singer, the frontman of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I'm probably going to regret it in the long run yeah, because he's lived a that. gross and weird life sure. that I don't think anyone should replicate and or venerate. Probably not. Uh, but it's also kind of like, all right, but tell me about tell me about the song Other Side. You know. <laughs> so I'm reading through all the right. crap about him and his living with his dad and all his like sexual escapades so yeah. I can get to the part where it's like, yeah, so like Californication, it was like this. That's not what he t- sounds like at all. Hmm. I was. I, I also started reading Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. Oh, it was a real twist at the end there. Yeah, uh, hold on, I'm getting the full title here. It's Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, the triumphant, turbulent stories behind how video games are made by Jason Schreier. At the time he wrote this, I'm pretty sure he was a Kotaku writer, but I could be wrong. He's no longer with Kotaku. He's now Bloomberg writing on the games industry and everything. But basically, it's like each chapter focuses on a game so the first one was pillars of eternity 
uh, second chapter, he was talking about the making of Uncharted 4 because they had a lot of shakeups during that. Stardew Valley. So just, you know, the work that goes into making these games and yeah. stuff. Crunch uh, or solo developers or kickstarting. So I've been enjoying it. It's funny to me that you're reading this because I feel like this to you is like me reading a Beetle book. Because it's like, what do you have left to learn? You know? Yeah. What can you really I'm... be taught? It's like when I see those, it, like in the grocery store, it'll be like, you know, the essential guide to the Beatles, the essential guide to Superman. I'm like, okay. Okay. Yeah. I could write that. All right. I mean, that's, it's kind of how I felt about, like, the rise and fall of dinosaurs at the start. Yeah, then exactly. Then I went on, yeah. I'm like, wait, there was, like, this mini raptor that had, like, a double claw Save on a Save it for next week. Yes. No, I know what you mean, but... I didn't know much about like the turbulent uh, making of Uncharted 4, about how the original creator was kind of ousted, and they got the people from uh, The Last of Us to come in and oh. do it, and like change direction completely mid-game. 4 is um, so good. It's so good. I love that game. Uh, huh. Yeah, interesting. He has a new book coming out. I think it's next year. Uh, anytime I see a date that says 2021 or 2022, my eyes glaze over, and I forget where I am. So I, I just can't s- even comprehend that far in the yeah. future these days yeah. <laughs> best not to try yeah so anyways those are the two like non-fiction books i'm reading right now okay uh scar tissue is like a book i'm reading at home yep. once wet pixels a book i'm reading at work got it uh, i don't feel comfortable reading scar tissues at yeah. work yep uh i finished invincible volume 10 hey like robert kirkman's robert invincible kirkman. oh that's exciting yeah. cool. uh, i was a little lost at the beginning yeah uh, we'll talk about it over on comic book coffee break it's very serialized i did not remember at all where i left it I also had a similar experience because I picked up Super Dinosaur Volume 2 and I read Mm. Super Dinosaur, which is also by Robert Kirkman. I read Super Dinosaur 1 in like 2013 and I was like, the what is happening here? I don't know. (laughs) So I did eventually get there. Uh, But but Um, again, next week. So sorry. You said Persepolis. I read Persepolis 2, Volume 2. I think for the most part now when you get them, you get them in one volume. Yeah, I think so. But I read the first volume separately and then the second one uh, just recently. It's uh, by Marjane Satrippi. The second volume, I think, is a little less compelling, even though her Makes life sense. is worse in mm-hmm. the second one. But it kind of just feels like when you're a kid, things are just more focused yeah. with that. kind of. And then when she's an adult, she's traveling. She's all over the place. She's making all these crazy decisions. She goes back uh, home and there's all this. But the first book was kind of like a tour it's, of what life was like yes. for her. It's such a jarring transition in that story. Yeah. Persepolis so, yeah. 2 mm-hmm. becomes much more personal. So, I mean, there's there's you know pros and cons to doing either way. But I think if you wanted to know, like, what is it like growing up in Iran – you read Persepolis 1. Yeah. First half. I read Superman Smashes the Clan. Oh, by so Jean good. Louis Nyang. Yes, read, what did you think? I was reading that uh, November 3rd, uh-huh. 2016. Sure. So that's where I was that day. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, it's good. It's just a good story. It is. It's, it, uh, it looks great. The story is so good. So I think the history of it's important. Mm-hmm. I think the message is important. It's all good. Yeah. It's yeah, funny. Just, I mean, just as a reminder, just, the, the history of it is that it's an adaptation of a radio show from the 40s yeah. uh, that's that's brought to today. The thing that it does wisely is at one point you realize that the bad guys mm-hmm. are – you think he's dealing with the clan during the thing. And then you find out the clan are working with this supervillain. Yeah. But what happens is – Spoiler! 
spoilers! Spoilers! The leader of the clan takes over and becomes like, it, and it's just kind of like it. It could go one way where it's like, oh, okay, it's just the bad guy's a super mad scientist. He's not racist or anything. But then the racist guy takes that yeah, over, gets yeah. his stuff, and you're like, oh wait, racism is the problem after all. Yep. So I thought that was a smart twist. So and I liked Superman. Uh, I thought he was fun in it. I did too. I thought it was so, really well done. Yeah. Well, cool. I'm That's glad you I, liked it. Yeah. I So I worked on the election day, as I always do. I've been an election inspector for many years, and I always bring a stack. You know, I, I always bring a stack of graphic novels and books and things, and I usually really get through them. This time, I did not have a chance. Uh, this oh, was, which was, no, I mean, it's good. I, I really... No, yes. Busy, busy, busy. I was glad that, that we were as busy as we were, but it was really like... It's 1908, I saw. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it wasn't a situation where I had big long lulls. So the only thing that I read, like in completion, was Primer by Jennifer Monroe, and this is another of the junior level DC graphics, and it's an original character. It's a, it's a girl who uh, her father is a is a villain, and she is in foster care, and her uh, foster mom is a, a scientist for the government, and so she gets into this stuff. And I won't I don't want to spoil it, but that's how sort of the, the character of Primer. Uh, comes uh -huh. about i thought it's really well done you know i mean it is it is technically a dc comic there's nothing that really i think there's some references but for the most part it just kind of stands alone as it is its own original thing but i thought it was really good i would recommend it uh so i, I like that and that was my one i mean i sit down and read this whole thing at the election but um okay uh the other thing that i finished 19 uh 1908 by the way was uh william jennings byron uh -huh. versus william howard taft wow and that that really rocked the vote. Apparently, got, yeah, got the people out. Okay. Yeah, I read the Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. So Did you think they said rock the vote back then. No, I don't. Okay. No, I don't think at all. Anyway, I read the Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. This yeah. is one that I I am not too proud to say that I feel that I missed the point because it is overwhelming acclaim and I I just it just didn't connect with me, you know, and that's fine. It it was one where each chapter, um, or each, you know, every couple of chapters, we jump about 10 years. The threads connecting them, to me, was very loose. Uh, as far as character development, I thought it was very minimal, and it relied really heavily on coincidences. So, like, oh, wow, I just happened to run into this one person in New York City. So, for me, I was a little uh, disappointed. But, again, I mean, the, the overwhelming positive response to it is clearly that there's something there. So, um, I'm going to chalk that up to not being the target audience for it and that's fine <laughs> i'm currently reading a time for mercy by john grisham this is uh the third book in the yeah. jake, jake brigand series the first one was grisham's very first novel a time to kill which he's is a very good year yeah for grisham yeah he's he has been, he's been just racking it and he's racking it and raking it in raking it in yeah i mean you rack yeah, he's like been raking it in table, with money you know yeah. yeah well that's that's true too, it makes then. sense you're racking up the the pool you can balls. sell it you're raking in the money leaves yes so this was his a time to kill was his very first novel there was a movie with matthew mcconaughey as jake brigands uh the first book the crime is mcconaughey not damon mcconaughey i'm thinking the rainmaker yeah Okay. The Crime in a Time to Kill is brutal, and it kept me from reading it for a long time because it's <laughs> so hard to read. But it's a really well-written book. He returned to that character with Sycamore Row like decades later, and it was shocking to me how well he Down nailed the tone. Down on Sycamore Row! Oh, wait. No, I didn't do it right. I was trying to do Skid Row. Oh, I don't know it. Sorry. You don't know Skid Row from Little Shop of Horrors? No, not really. 
I know, suddenly Seymour. Okay. Does that help? Okay. No, it's fine. Well, no, the point is Sycamore Row, which was decades later, that's this is book two, was really impressive to me that he was able to match the tone of his writing from decades earlier because it is very different. And this is book three, Time for Mercy. And I'm only really like, I've gotten through the crime. I've gotten to like what the plot will be. I haven't really uh, settled into it yet. But I was really, I was riveted by the beginning. I'll say that. After having weird experiences with The Reckoning, which was real dull. And no, The Reckoning was okay. The Guardians. The Guardians was soups dull. The Reckoning was pretty decent, but an odd, odd read. So far, I'm liking A Time for Mercy. And uh, that's mm. it for me. I've been watching some stuff. I finally, we, we just binged the rest of The Mandalorian. Ragged alert. We, when The Mandalorian, well, actually, when we first got Disney+, Plus back when Hamilton dropped, we watched, I want to say, the first two or three episodes of The Mandalorian. This is, you having Disney+, Plus is news to me. Oh, really? Right now. Oh. This is the first I'm hearing of this. Well, we have Disney+. Plus. Oh. But, okay. we, but we watched the first two or three episodes of The Mandalorian, and we're just kind of like, well, whatever, but we, didn't, we weren't really mm-hmm. like super compelled by it. And then, I don't even know what it was, but we were like, you know what, we're going to watch The Mandalorian. So we Was picked... it uh, qu- quarantine? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so we picked it up, I want to say with episode four, the one where they're defending this little town. And that one yeah. was just so good. And so we just, over the next couple the of days... The Samurai episode, yeah. Yeah, watched the whole thing. Right, exactly. And then now we're we're caught up with the with the first two episodes of season two, and I'm we really glad. We haven't started season two. I'm really glad that we went back to it because um, we ended up really loving it. So that's nice. fun. Yeah, well, we once... haven't uh, started season two. I forget we were watching something. Well, one, it came out like during October, so I'm like, we can't yeah. do this. And then she's like, when do you want to watch it? I was like, let let's see how November turns out. <laughs> there was a lot of things I I wasn't planning on. Well, we caught up to that, and we we're still in the star wars mood so i was like well i mean geez let's go back and, and finish rebels so that's what we're doing now yeah we're, it's there right we're finishing up rebels so oh, you hadn't finished rebels no we I thought you were done so no we kind of got stalled in season three and then season four is in a bridge season so we're probably 20 episodes we probably got 20 episodes left so well kind of nice to get back into that and actually the episodes mm-hmm. we were on were really mandalorian heavy so it was kind of <laughs> you know it was kind of a good transition mm-hmm. we're still watching runaways which the first season, it's like all the kids are in their different thing, you know, they're, they're different environments, and sometimes they're together. Season two, they're all together all the time, and it's really killed the momentum. It's like, I don't really even know. There doesn't seem to be a villain, and there doesn't really seem to be, like, a goal. So it's... Man, the villain is adulthood. Yeah, you're right. And, like, the man putting responsibility onto these kids who aren't ready for that yet, man. Thanks for What's dropping wrong? that. Yeah. Thanks for yeah, dropping no that problem. on me. Yeah, I've well, not, I, I say let the kids lead. I've not read the comic book. Away. My wife has, and mm-hmm. her criticism of it is that in the in the series, the parents are just straight up villains. They're just mm-hmm. bad yeah. people, and that yeah. is not the case at all in mm-hmm. in the show. And so it really is like, well, what's why? You know, it just feels like a very forced conflict when the parents mm-hmm. aren't actually evil. So I don't really understand that move. Hmm. I, I don't. I mean, maybe maybe just because otherwise it would be like parents trying to kill their children and that's a much darker show. I don't know. But uh, yes. it's definitely missing it. And we're still watching The Undoing on HBO with Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant based on a novel. Pretty interesting so far. And undo- Did I watch anything else? I've been listening. I was... 
looking at my musical playlist because I was in a real bad spot. So I was like, I got to listen to some musicals yeah. uh, to get back up. Sure. And uh, I was like, oh, I haven't updated this. What are new musicals? And then I got sad again because like all these 2019 musicals had come out and now you just can't do them. But I was getting into the Hades Town soundtrack. I'm not familiar with it. And also the Jagged Little Pill. Like Alanis Morissette? No, that's not. Is that Alanis Morissette? Yeah, it's a, it's a musical based on Alanis Morissette. Okay. On the album and I think some more of her work as well. Hmm. But it's fun. Uh, I don't know what any of these look like. I've just been listening to the music. But oh. if you ever wanted to hear like a Broadway production of You Learn that then becomes Thank You, it exists. You can do it. Wow. It's the show. It's, yeah, it's the, it's the ending of that show. So Hades Town is like this kind of post-apocalyptic Western retelling of the myth of Orpheus having okay. to go get his wife back from Hades. Yeah. Well, it's cool music. Yeah. I know that Alanis Morissette played God in the film Dogma. Is that helpful yes. in any way? Yeah, that's a little helpful, sure. Okay, yeah. cool, cool. All right, that's it for you. You're not you're not in the midst of any shows or anything like that? Just Cougar Town. Okay. I don't know what I'm going to do after Cougar Town. That's going to be tough. It was so funny. My sister was like, all you do is watch serious shows. I'm like, I can't remember the last serious show I watched. Yeah. I guess it was Mindhunter. You, you, but I don't. That's I'm, funny I'm because, a, yeah, I was going to say, you famously don't like hour-long dramas. Yeah, give me give me a 20-minute sitcom. It's got to be a good one. I don't know what sitcom to go to next. You know what? My wife and I have been rewatching Head of the Class. Do you remember Head of the Class? You're probably too young. I feel like I'm too young for Head of the Class. Yeah. Is this familiar to you at all? Okay. Yeah. It was a show that I really liked when I was super little, and I only have these like vague memories of it. And randomly, it's on the Roku channel. Ah, so I was like, let's do it. Yeah, I was born then. Yeah. Head of the class. When quarantine started, I went looking. I was like, where can I watch Three's Company? Mm. The answer is nowhere. Really? Because no one for an old show like that, no one's willing to pay streaming rights. Huh. And... The DVDs, you can get those, but they're like $500. Are they really? put them out once and never again. Wow, I've got a couple. Do you? Yeah. My brother. I've got maybe retire. the first three seasons or something like that. Bruh, you could retire. Do you know those. that that's based on a, a British show called Man About the House? Sure do. I figured you did. Who's your favorite roommate? You mean the out of the three that leave? Yeah. Well, you can count, you can count Janet. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I guess it's Christmas. Yeah, Chrissy's pr- Chrissy's the, the fr- Chrissy Snow at Chrissy's first classic. Um, and I liked uh, I do like uh, Patricia. Oh, Priscilla, Priscilla, Priscilla Barnes, yeah. whatever her name Priscilla is. Priscilla Barnes, the third one. Yeah, I thought she is, was good. Terry, Terry is her name. Yeah. yeah. The second one was just, I don't know. That was like, she was only there for like one season. It kind of yeah, overlapped too. Chrissy's, Chrissy's cousin, like yeah, yeah. Her, her country cousin. I liked them uh, all. Honestly, I, I feel know. like I'm pretty shocked that when the show is based on like the relationship between three characters to change one of those midway yeah. through and stick the landing, it's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, when I was looking for it, I was like, is this the show still funny? And then I thought about uh, John Ritter, like, falling backwards over a couch. I was like, you know what? I bet it's still funny. Every single episode of Three's Company, one person is on the other side of a door, and they overhear something that sounds super sexual, and yeah. they misinterpret it, and the whole episode is shenanigans, and uh, it ends up with them all hugging and kissing each other on the lips. What's so What's not funny about funny. that? Oh, my gosh. I just... Because sometimes somebody will bust in. And they'll just yeah. pose the door open and John Ritter will be just like, whoa! And then he'll like roll yeah. backwards on the yeah. couch and then he'll get up and he's like, oh, thank God that's over. And then the next door will open on the other side Boom. and like, whoa! Falls right over. Classic. I've got one more, one more serious question for you. Yeah. Are you uh, the Ropers or Mr. Furley kind of man? I was the Ropers. Yeah. But 
I don't know. Fairly's fine too. Yes, they're all good. There's not like an era of that show I dislike. Can I suggest to you, and I know we just passed Halloween, but next year you maybe consider a Mr. Furley Halloween costume? All right. Will you? That's enough of that. I'll no. send you an ascot. Let me mail you an ascot. You're it would be my honor. You're acting like an ascot right now. <laughs> stop that. This Why is don't a, you take your ascot off? This oh, wait, that's your face. family show. It's just a piece of clothing. All right, let's get into some book news. Tell me what's on the New York Times bestseller list. Look into the future to see what it proves. It's time for book news. Gosh, number 10 on the New York Times bestsellers list for combined print and ebook fiction Tell is me. The Evening and the Morning by Ken Follett, the prequel to The Pillars of the Earth. Finally. Series. Boat Builder. People Norman, have been demanding a prequel to Pillars of the Earth. Norman Noblewoman and Monk live in England under attack by the Welsh and the Vikings. Like Tony Shalhoub? Yeah. Oh I my gosh. Monk would hate like, that era. That era I mean, is so this, dirty. I know. You think about how like far ago Pillars of the Earth is supposed to be. It's like in this one, you, they, you just expect him to be like, look, I've invented the boat. Tony, wow, Tony Shalhoub really it. did all right. You know what I mean? Tony Shalhoub yeah, did all yeah. right for himself. He had wings. You know, yeah. he had Monk. Yeah. Galaxy M- Quest. Men in Black. I mean, yeah, he's he's probably doing all right. Even yeah, now. I think he's happy. Yeah, I think he uh, is too. I mad about you. Too. No, that was that was Paul Reiser. Different guy. Different oh. guy, different energy, similar hair is probably where you're getting confused. <laughs> I think that's... Number nine, The Invisible Life of Adi LaRue. A Faustian bargain comes with a curse that affects the adventure. Adi LaRue has well, across centuries. Don't make a Faustian bargain. That's insane. Yeah. Why would you Why would you say I yes to that? I have a bargain for you. Is it in any way Faustian? A little. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I'm willing to roll the dice, good sir. <laughs> It's very much Faustian. Yeah. Oh. And a bit Freudian. The friend's name was Larry, right? Yeah. That was Larry, and they'd go down to the Regal Beagle and have a drink. Yeah. Yeah, Larry. It's a good show. Uh, number eight, Truly, Madly, Deeply by Karen Kingsbury. So I guess she's turning the Savage Garden song into a book. She's novelized it. I, apparently. I was thinking more Truly, Madly, Guilty, right? Isn't that the uh, uh, Leanne Moriarty book? Oh, maybe. Wow. Yeah. Truly, Madly, Deeply is the, uh, I want to bathe with you in the ocean. Oh, wait, no. I want to climb. I want to bathe with you in the sea. I want to live like this forever. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, it's uh, a novel about that song. Yeah. I, an 18-year-old who wants to become a police officer falls in love with a young woman who has an aggressive form of cancer. I completely misunderstood that song. Yeah, apparently. So Savage Garden steered me in a different direction, I, I guess. fully thought that you were going to say that he wants to be a police officer and she comes from, like, a crime family or something. I thought it was oh, a yeah. Romeo-Juliet kind of situation, but it's more of, like, a, a Romeo and whatever the girl from Fault in Our Stars' his name was situation. Yeah, the girl from the Fault in Our Stars situation. Yeah, you know. Number seven, The Searcher by Tana French. After a divorce, a former Chicago police officer resettles in an Irish village where a boy goes missing. <sighs> David Tennant and whoever, and Jody Whittaker? Yeah. Is that it? Who who was in? Uh... Broadchurch. Broadchurch. Yeah, they were. Was it? And they both played the doctor in Doctor Who. Is it Jody Whittaker? Yeah, I think that's her name. Oh, it's the person from the uh, the Friendship movie. The favorite. Oh, oh, yeah. Jody Jody Whitaker is also in it, but no, you're talking about. Uh, oh, that's gonna drive me crazy. 
Yes. That's my gift. Eric, no. What a Faustian bargain you've taken. Us <laughs> I'm going to tell you what it is. It's Faustian. Olivia Coleman. David Tennant and Olivia Coleman play the cops. Jodie yeah. Whittaker is the mother of the child who was killed. Oh, I did not know Jodie Whittaker was in that show. She was. Broadchurch. All right. Well, there you go. Anyway, number six, the Wonder Boy of Whistle Stop. Wonder Boy, what's the secret of your power? This is a real musical you... episode. I like it. Wonder, Wonder Boy by uh, Tenacious D. Oh, no, I don't know that. Nope. How about the power to kill a yak? How From about five yards away? How about the power of love? By Huey Lewis in the news. I know that one. All right, Fanny Flag, uh, Bud Threadgood returns to his hometown and sets off on some life-changing events. First stop, changing his name from Threadgood. That would be a good choice. Fanny Flag wrote Fried Green Tomatoes. Fun fact. Mm. Yeah. It has a longer name. The book I can't right. remember. Number five is new this week. It's called Shake Up. It's a Stuart Woods book. Oh, it's well, the 55th boy. book in the Stone Barrington C- series. A criminal mastermind turns out to be a person of influence. Yes. Subplot, at least four 20-something women are desperate to have sex with a 60-plus retired lawyer. Do you think that he gets older by a year for every book? He sure seems old to me, Eric. <laughs> 55. At that point, you've said everything you can about this character. You have. Yeah, you I would move imagine. Along. Yeah. Uh, number four, three women disappear. Ah! <laughs> James Patterson and Shan Serafin. Detective mm. Sean Walsh must solve a case involving three missing women who have access to a home where a man was murdered. I bet the three women murdered the what, man. What is the title of the book again? Three women disappear. That's very descriptive. I feel like James Patterson has reached a new level of laziness where someone just walks in a room and is like, I, I got a book. And he's like, what's it about? And he's like, three women disappear. He's already written three chapters and has assigned it to his writing farm. Yeah. And they just go with that. Three women mm-hmm. disappear. What do you want? Yeah. I told you Murder. what happened. That's what happened. You want the book? Buy the book. You don't? Don't. Yeah. I got a billion <laughs> dollars, baby. Here's the sequel. Uh, body found on floor. <laughs> number three the return by nicholas sparks a doctor serving in the navy in afghanistan goes back to north carolina where after two women losing his wife life. i don't know if that's true he lost his wife come on you think so it's a nicholas sparks book so yes. he's a doc- he's a widow doctor yeah he's a widower doctor yeah serving in the navy in afghanistan he's yeah. going back to north carolina Fox. and these two women are be like wow he's old but he seems very with it i think one is going to be the new wife and i think one it's more of a mentor relationship oh so i okay. think he feels useful to the younger one and sort of serves as a surrogate father to the older one you know they diane lane and, and richard gear they uh they marvin gay and get it on let's say that you know <laughs> Number two, A Time for Mercy by John Grisham. I'm reading that. Yeah. A 16-year-old is accused of killing a deputy in Clinton, Mississippi in 1990. He definitely did it, let me tell you. (laughs) Number one. He did it. Number one. Guilty. The Sentinels. No, just the Sentinels. Just the singular Sentinels. Surrender mutants. By Lee Child and Andrew Child. What? Uh, Lee Child? has and a Andrew new child. writing partner, Andrew Child. Is this his? Is this his son or husband? Because we've been down this road with Janet Ivanovich, and I just want to know. It was the son with Janet Ivanovich. I know it was, but they were writing those sexy Fox and O'Hare yeah, novels they were. together. Yeah, they weird. were. Oh, look at this! 
According to thebookseller.com, Lee Child is to pass the Jack Reacher baton to his younger brother. Oh, hmm. yeah. So this is kind of like a Lion King situation. Yes, actually, he his younger brother is Andrew Grant, who is a pretty popular novelist in his own right, and it kind of looks like he's going to be taking over the... Uh... You think there's going to be a situation where... Uh... Jack Reacher is going to be like in a cavern with Willowbeast and he's going to look up and there's a uh, Andrew Child holding on to Lee Child. Maybe. Like, <laughs> he just says God. I uh, think long so. The king. I think so. Lee Child, like, yeah. Yeah. Jack Reacher intervenes on an ambush in Tennessee and uncovers a conspiracy. Listen. Probably to take out Lee Child. Let me let me tell you a, a cold hard truth of the Jack Reacher series. Uh-huh. Any book in the jack reacher series the synopsis could be jack reacher intervenes period end of sentence jack reacher intervenes oh okay i guess you don't like spider-man comics then i like spider-man comics well spider-man intervenes nick i guess that's what it means to be a hero i feel like i need i feel like i need to remind you because it's been a long time since that jack reacher spotlight we did do you remember that jack reacher spotlight we did yes i read about his teen years it was the worst You sure did. <laughs> Jack yep. Reacher only has the underwear that he's wearing and a toothbrush. That's all he carries around. Gross. That's he's the grossest he, man alive. That's all he carries around. Come on toothpaste. Now. That means some days he's spitting on his toothbrush and saying, "Well, ah, that'll work." Didn't we do? Oh, you know what? I'm trying to. I'm trying to find the name of it, but it's because it's called. Spot. I saw the crappy sequel with you. Episode. That's right. We saw never. Was it never go back? Right. Never go back, and I won't. I know, but after that, we saw the mummy, so we kind of did go back. When you think about it, yeah. Well, well, we were joined by my younger brother Steve to talk about Jack Reacher's Lee Child back in episode one sixteen. <laughs> so, if you want to listen to Eric's mind melt talking about Jack Reacher, you know what? Looking at it now, that's a pretty popular episode, actually. So, <laughs> you know, that was back. Oh, wow, November fifth, twenty seventeen. That was almost exactly. Three years ago. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Okay. We don't have to talk about it. I mean, it's crazy. It's it's how many years ago you said it was. I know. Listen, there is no past. There is no future. There's only today at all times. That was hard to hear. That was hard to hear. All right, Eric, are you ready for spotlight time? Spotlight. Welcome to the spotlight. We hope that you stay. It's the spotlight here in Hollywood. We always knew you would. We knew you could. It's the spotlight. Uh, Eric, if I'm being perfectly honest with you, I have no notes. (laughs) I have no notes. That was great. That was so good. (laughs) Wow. Uh. That really, that, I, that, you know what it is? You captured, you captured old Hollywood. That's the thing. You captured that feel. You know what I mean? Uh, I want to, yeah. I want to go have an unfiltered cigarette leaning against a flickering street lamp. That's what I yeah. want right now. Yeah. Yeah. Eric, Steven Spielberg uh, is one that you brought up many a times. So why don't you take us in by just telling me a little bit about the pull that Steven Spielberg has in your life? What, uh... what do you like about the man? What do I like about the man? Yeah, Steven Spielberg. Most His popular movies. director of all time. <laughs> most popular, most like financially successful. Right. right? It's crazy. Yeah. The amount of like number one hits he's had. I mean, his movies are just so good. I don't know. I'm going to just, it's going to be all like hyperbole that's today if that's, if that's the question. That's, yeah. I mean, like well, as a kid, okay. I liked E.T. and yeah. E.T. was like a big movie for me as yeah. a kid. Like it was kind of scary. It 
had heart. It was adventure and everything. And then, I mean, my love for Jurassic Park is well-documented. So, like, those two movies are really the the things that set me on, like, oh, I think I like Spielberg. Hmm. I don't... I don't know when it was that I was like, oh, I think he might be like my favorite director, but it happened. What are some of the hallmarks that appeal to you? Well, people can do action, but I, it's hard to find people who can do like adventure mm-hmm. the same way that he does. You get people who try True. to imitate it and some can, can do it and some can't, but the adventure is just, I mean, he, he's like raised in pulp. So you get a lot of the pulpy adventure in there. In the second Hobbit movie, there's a scene where all, I mean, in the book as well, where they all escape in the barrels. But Peter Jackson, you know, had that whole chase with the elves chasing them in the barrels and the orcs show up and it just keeps going over the top. Yeah. And I feel like you get away with that now because Spielberg has made his adventure yeah. films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in the past. I see that. And I feel like my, like, taste of, like, you know, the kids in a station wagon, like, driving down a, a windy <laughs> hill road while they're being chased by something. And, like, one of them's hanging out the car and, like, ah! And maybe there's a skateboard involved. Like, it all kind of just feels like it stems from, like, a Spielberg mentality. This is why I, like, don't, I don't understand your distaste for the Goonies. It really seems I, like it. It really, really I, seems like you'd like it. I, I don't know. I just, uh, maybe okay. I should give it a shot now that I'm an adult. I like maybe. Monster Squad a little maybe. bit more. Yeah. Yeah, did I say Monster Squad? Yeah, yeah, Monster right, Squad. What, what's the earliest? I mean, it sounds like it's ET, right? What's well, the earliest say, Steven Spielberg you remember? Besides this adventure, yeah, it's also he isn't shy about putting his heart on his sleeve. True, which I enjoy because some people are can be very cold. I think of like Christopher Nolan and how his movies can be very, <sighs> like they can feel like emotional roller coasters, but a lot of that is like. It's it's not necessarily legit emotion being mm-hmm. shared on screen. It's a combination of like the the images and the actions and the emotion that we know we're supposed to have, and then like the Hans Zimmer score. So he's yeah. he's good at like manipulating it so that we feel like we're on some. But I feel like with Spielberg's movies, the emotion in there is uh, authentic and real. Mm-hmm. So. I think there's kind of a difference from like our lizard brain, our, our lizard brain being like stimulated by sights and sound yeah. and emotions, just abstract things like love is the great love is one of the fifth factors that mm-hmm. makes up the universe kind of thing, versus just being like, oh, that dad's trying to save his son. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I mean, he just other people do it too, but there's something about that the, those camera angles that he does. I don't even know how to replicate it. The the angles where it's like. It's lower to the ground, like you're getting a kid's eye view okay. and looking up. So everything just seems bigger. I mean, I'm, I guess I'm talking Jurassic Park a lot like this. Okay. That, like, dinosaurs seem so big because the camera is almost always kind of at a, a kid's eye view yeah, that's when looking at a dinosaur. So you're always kind of looking up instead of straight ahead. And you also hate Super 8. Okay. Yes. Well, right. that's because... Super 8 is trying to replicate the Spielberg success, but it's doing it in such like a scientific and cold way. It's mm. like, this is the kids having an emotional scene. This is the adventure. You can just feel that the music, just like as soon as they turn to the camera, you're like, oh, we're in a different emotional state right now. Mm-hmm. It was, it's just not a, a smooth thing. And I, I guess that's what I mean. Like there are people who try to replicate it and you get something like Super 8, which I don't think is super successful. And then you get 
people who are a little bit uh, stronger at it. And I think maybe you get like the first season of uh, Stranger Things. I was going to ask. I was going to ask what you thought of that comparison. So, Do you think that's a good comparison? Do you think Stranger Things yeah, holds up well I to think, that? I think the first season has that kind of like what's happening. This is yeah. bigger than us. That makes sense. Um, what was your second question? I guess it was the what when you think you were first aware. Like what what's the even if you didn't like I feel like I knew the name Steven Spielberg for a long long time and part of that honestly might be Universal Studios because the ET ride is so Spielberg heavy like he's up there on yeah. screen and everything like it is it's a big part of it. But what is what do you think is the yeah, first Spielberg? I don't know. I don't remember seeing anything with like him around ET. So like I almost feel the first time I knew there was a Spielberg person persona was Tiny Toons. Oh, okay. Does that because like he shows up in there? He they, does. Like, do characters yeah. of him and stuff. Right. And like the, I kind of started to understand that Spielberg was this a person in this world. Because even I think there's a parody of um, Sunset Boulevard where Babs comes down the stairs and she says something like, "I'm ready for my close up, Mr. Spielberg." Mm-hmm. So I think. I don't know. I think I just started. The name is right on there, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, you think. Yeah, yes. Steven Spielberg presents Tiny Toon Adventures. Yeah, exactly. So getting into the cartoons and stuff. I mean, maybe. I don't know. Uh, Land Before Time, he he had a hand in. He was a producer. Yeah. Like the Don Bluth films. Maybe his name's there. But I don't know when it became a a thing until like Jurassic Park. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. I guess for me, it's it's kind of a tie because I have super early memories of E.T., like outside of the ride. I remember that really early. But I also have really, really early mem- memories of the Temple of Doom. And part of that is because of the NES game, Temple oh, of sure. Doom. But I remember playing that at my friend Brandon's house in his basement on his NES. But yeah. I also knew what the movie was. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I knew what that was. And that when had- were you born? 83. So, I mean, Temple of Doom is 84. Yeah. Uh, I mean, may, the E.T. game was horrible. It, it, it helped, like, usher in uh, oh, sure. yeah. Atari's fall and yes. everything. So, <laughs> I mean, maybe that's just it. Maybe you just, you know, born after that when, like, an NES game is going to be the more popular thing. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if E.T. was... I mean, we must have rented it. Maybe my mom bought it. Mm-hmm. Maybe we owned it. Because I watched it a few times as a kid. I feel like it played on TV a lot also maybe that was it then. i think it i i think i saw it on tv in chunks yeah um yeah. well let's talk about uh let's talk about some some of wait your... you didn't say anything do you not like anything about spielberg no i do i mean i think you captured it pretty well i i i um, guess the thing that always comes to my mind is that is that sense of adventure it really it feels like you're more in it i think gritty is the wrong word but even just when you look at like indiana jones you really feel his struggle. You know what I mean? Like you, you just get the sense that everything is, is hard. Where I feel like a lot of action movies, like James Bond or something, right, of the of a similar time. Most of he's just like essentially a superhero. But right, whether it's in ET, you know, the bike chase or anything, like you can really right. feel those kids like trying yeah. to push their bikes to the max. You can see Indiana Jones like trying to climb up that rope ladder and stuff. And I think no. that. However he does that, it really makes you feel like you were on that person's side and that you're really, like, on the edge of your seat trying to, like, rooting for them, hoping mm-hmm. hoping that they're going to be able to, whatever it is, pedal the bike yeah. fast enough, climb up the ladder. And I think that's something that is is pretty unique to him to the, to the level that it is. You know, yeah, I, I think mean, he really opens the door and lets you in. There's a level of, like, showmanship 
that he has that at this point is probably second nature. He can kind of just make these big showy set pieces, and I think maybe some other people. It's it's a they maybe they have to work harder. Yeah, to make it happen. Yeah, happen. I mean, just look at like a Michael Bay film, and you just <laughs> you know the first. Uh, no, no, thank first, you. I'd rather not. Yeah, the first Transformers film. It was uh you know it's directed by Michael Bay. It's produced by Spielberg. And I remember seeing a review just being like. Think of, like, the wonder it would have been if those roles had been reversed. Because, like, the first Transformers tries to go for that Spielberg-y vibe. Like, yeah. the boy in his car. Yeah. And it has some of those, like, lens flares and the, the cameras and stuff. But I think you tell somebody, like, you tell Michael Bay, like, oh, it's about a boy in his car. His first car. And Michael Bay's like, oh, hell yeah, my dude! <laughs> but you tell Spielberg that, and you're probably going to get something a lot more emotive. Yeah. I agree. So, let's look at some of the some of his like directorial uh, movies here. So let's look at seventies. So you got Duel, you got the Sugarland Express, Jaws, Close Encounter of a Third Kind, and nineteen forty one. You have any feelings on yeah. those movies? Uh, Duel is great. Duel's uh, pretty tense. I I think Kendra I think about recently like two, watched it. And she thought it was two semis, right? Isn't that? Uh, no, yeah, it's about uh, it's just about this like regular Joe. Okay. who's just on the road and he's being stalked by a guy in a in a semi truck like the whole time mm-hmm. so it's not no it's not like two truckers dueling out it's just this this one guy with this mustache who's just like oh i'm just gonna get on home mm-hmm. and then this truck is just chasing him down i think it's that was a made for tv movie but it's still it's still pretty intense and i mean when he got to jaws it's kind of a lot of the same sensibility yeah, yeah, so. that makes sense. Duel is based on a, a Richard Matheson short story, which is yeah, fun. I mean, they're yeah. so good. It was a big deal because uh, he had done like TV films before, but I think this was like a big deal. Yeah, and I think it's how he got to be able to do the Sugarland Express and well, then Jaws. You know, he directed so. he directed the first real episode of Columbo, like the of the of the series proper. There were two pilots right. directed by other people, but when the series was actually like ordered to in 1971. He directed Murder by the Book, which is really like the true start of that show. The two pilots, Columbo's very different, especially in the first one, and it takes a little time to get in there. But, um, I mean, it's great. It's really good, and it, it, it sets a lot of the tone for that series. Mm-hmm. I was late to Jaws. I mean, I've seen Jaws probably within the last 10 years. I think Jaws is amazing. I mean, I just yeah. think it's so good. So yeah, good, in great. fact, that I watched Jaws 2, 3, and 4. Wow, that might not be that good. That's how much I liked it. But um, yeah, no, Jaws is great. It's intense, but it also just has like a lot of great like character moments. Like those three actors, yeah, oh are yeah, all so good together. That like you can say like let's recast Jaws, and you nobody's just like oh I'd like to you you like really think about it yeah. because those characters are so well defined. Exactly. You you can't just say like oh let's just get Hoosie in it. You're like oh I guess Chris Cooper for uh, <laughs> for the captain right. and. Uh, well, it's so Adrian Brody. It's so interesting to me to learn how much of of what you see in Jaws was dictated about how difficult the yeah. the technology and the props and things were to work with. I mean, that's yeah. that's often cited as why you see so so little of the shark. And I feel yeah. like, and a different director might have leaned in another direction, but I feel like he was able to really embrace it's a land shark now. Yeah, get it out of the water. Get the robot out of the water. It's a land shark now. But like he chose to really embrace that and make that really the hallmark of the movie, and that's the thing that sells it. That's the thing yeah. that makes it timeless. If we were now, looking I'm... at a big like rubber shark for ninety percent of that movie, it would be considered a schlocky like B movie instead of sure. a classic. You know, I mean. 
the the Blair Witch took a huge influence from Jaws, and mm. then everything took a huge influence from the Blair Witch. You know, it just keeps going. Yeah. yeah. Anytime you talk to like a Hollywood people, like, oh, what's your top five favorite films? Like, oh, well, Jaws. Yeah. Just just to recap, Jaws two is terrible. Uh huh. Teenagers falling into shark infested waters over and over again. Yeah. Jaws Don't three you. is kind of fun because uh-huh. you got Dennis Quaid and Leah Thompson, and it's just kind of fun. Jaws four is ridiculous. Uh huh. But well, I, I honestly, I guess feel you like... just describe Superman as well. The Superman series, true. That's now true. People like yeah. Superman too. Yeah, but that's because they don't know what they're looking at. <laughs> uh, well, Close Encounters is a third movie, kind. But again, that's fun. Uh, Close Encounters is a. I'm like you with Jaws. Yeah. And that uh, Close Encounters was a newer thing for me. Yeah. Like the past ten years, I really liked it. It's a bit slow these days. It is. But. It's still like very interesting. It is. Have you ever seen there? There's like a, I don't. I doubt very much that it's a director's cut, but there's a cut of it that you actually see. Spoilers! Spoilers! The Richard Dreyfus character get on the ship at the end, and it's just that's horrible. The, but no, that's the that's the thing. What do you mean that's the thing? That's the cut. I mean, he leaves. No, but you see him like interacting with things on the ship oh it's this big like it doesn't just end with the door it ends with like him being on the ship and like looking around and interacting with the like what's this like we've invented this it's so bad i mean the special effects are unbearable but it really kills the movie as well so yeah close encounters close encounters is interesting it's 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 moody and has kind of a I don't know. I mean, it's not it's not a scary movie, but there is sort of like a weight to it that that feels a little tense, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've never seen Sugarland Express or 1941. 1941 Same. is his, like, bomb. It's the thing that kind of killed his run for a little bit. Yeah. Where he was like, a, he, he's even said, like, he was feeling cocky at the time. He's, he said that the script itself was very funny, but he just kept stretching everything out, making them too, last too long. Well, that's a problem. And, uh, yeah, he's just admitted, you know, the mistakes that were made and everything. So I've never seen it. I'm, I, I it's supposed to be a long film, so I don't want to. Cool. It's been one I've been staying. Bad with. and long. You love Goldie Hawn. I do love Goldie Hawn. That's she, Sugar, she that's Sugarland, though. Yeah. 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 Ben Johnson. I would. Happen. I would watch that definitely. Uh, all right. So the three Indiana Jones movies make yeah. up the '80s. Yep. I I like them all. Mm-hmm. I've so. not. I've not actually seen The Color Purple. Uh, of his 80s stuff i haven't seen color purple empire of the sun or always yeah yeah no i mean but that's the thing it was like you know the 80s were like adventure spielberg and then you also had the stuff he was like producing so you had gremlins and Mm -hmm. poltergeist and uh like his name's attached somewhere with back to the future isn't it he served as executive producer on the whole trilogy I maybe he was just like giving i've seen like interviews where he's talking about it and maybe he was talking to uh Oh gosh, what's the composer? Sylvester, Alan Sylvester. Yeah, yeah, like him, like telling. I think Sylvester's like, should I go big or small with this? Sound? And he's just like, go big. <laughs> um, and also, I th- he had his hands like him and Robert Zemeckis were like hand in hand with some stuff. So mm-hmm. like he, he's he has influence with Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So I mean, you just had you know Spielberg influencing a whole bunch of stuff in the eighties. My unpopular opinion is that I feel like E. T. plays long now. Yeah, that is uh, unpopular and weirdly uh, incorrect. <laughs> Isn't it? I e. feel like... is so good. No, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it, it has a little bit of that 80s pacing. I don't. I, I think it's still great. The whole like story of him and uh, Richard Attenborough. E.T. lost Best Picture to Gandhi that Richard Attenborough mm. did. 
and Attenborough, like during his speech, was like he should have lost to E.T. because it's it's a wonderful film and everything. And then Spielberg cast Attenborough in Jurassic Park. Nice. When you lose something, you should be nice. Or when you win something, you should be nice to the people who lost. So they cast you in Jurassic Park. I guess so. Apparently, that's yeah. That's yeah. the uh, which uh, which brings us. I mean, you're 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 a classic fan of of Indiana Jones, the first three, anyway. Yeah, the right? first. Three, I mean, uh, yeah. I honestly rewatching it, I was like, boy, I do like Temple of Doom. Yeah. It, I think it actually like I think the comedy kind of works in a lot of. I mean, people just hate her for screaming all the time yeah kate capshaw is is a little hard to take occasionally but, but i think like, the movie there's, overall there's a, the scene where she's just like running around the camp because all these animals just keep showing up and yeah. indy and short round are not paying any they're just reading about the map and everything it's yeah. like such a funny scene it's funny it is, and i, I mean, mean that minecart scene is oh, yeah. like Dogs. Well, as a child, I mean, I loved Short Round. I still love Short Round, but as a kid, definitely I did. And that NES yeah. game, I'm telling you, I mean, we oh, played that again, Gooch, so yeah. much. Yeah, and Goonies, uh, of course. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, for a lot of people, Raiders was like the big thing. Every time I watch Raiders of the Lost Ark, I'm like, what? What am I not getting to see? This is like the greatest film ever. I don't, I don't really know because I feel like I like the second two more. Mm. But I don't know. Last Crusade, I think, is just, you know, I think it's the best one. And it's so good. And it's, you know, for no small reason that it has uh, the late Sean Connery oh, playing sure. Harrison Ford's. And it's just the two of them are so funny. They are. They have it's, such great chemistry. And it's funny, too, because they're not that far apart in age. It's like 12 no. years. It's the beard. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. J- just the whole just the whole like, Dad, what? I know. Or no. Well, Junior, I, what? listen. Junior, if, what? The floor's on fire. If I'm going to quote... <laughs> indiana jones like 95 percent of the time it is the last crusade right yeah absolutely the, we named the dog indiana yeah <laughs> it's so good so fu- i saw something so recently good. when they're looking some... when they're looking over the edge yeah, and indiana jones sort of appears i in mean the for me so it's good. just so much it's like classic it's indiana jones like fu- duking it out with a tank yeah it's just it's just that's yeah. what i mean it just gets so ridiculous yeah um, well that's what i'm saying too with like really pulling you in because yeah. like you just you feel all of that like sand and dirt hitting him in the yeah. face and the way he's just sort of like you just Man. see the scramble in indiana jones which i think is really one of the things that sells those movies i watched the spielberg documentary that's on hbo and like the stuff he was filming as a kid where he was putting planks under the dirt with ditches so that he was trying to like show his kids his friends being shot at so Mm. when they run they hit the plank and the dirt on top of the plank goes up looking like it's being shot at oh and i'm just like wow i would have never thought of that when i was younger the last crusade comes out and then hook which you love so i won't say anything bad about hook right now you can just talk all the things you love about hook and i won't say anything disparaging i haven't seen hook in a long time but i that was one that i watched and i loved and i had the action figures and i couldn't wait for the vhs you bought me the novelization which i i have to read at some (laughs) point but i haven't read it yet well, like anything, I mean, it has its fans. It uh, is. It's a weird turnaround from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade to Hook. That's a hard. Yeah. That's a hard turn right there. But uh, that brings us to the nineties. I you mean, have, maybe have... that's ninety-one. I mean, maybe if I rewatched it as an adult, I could appreciate more than when I watched it as a kid. Mm-hmm. It's just like this is weird. Is were you a, Were you a Robin Williams fan at this point? Yeah. Well, because of Aladdin, I was constantly disappointed by seeing like a Robin Williams movie. I'm like, oh, this isn't a funny movie. It seemed like every movie I was like, let's do it. It's Robin Williams. And then it's this super serious patch Adams. film. Yeah. And like my, the child in me is just like, but what about the genie? Yeah. 
See, I was a big Mork and Mindy fan as a kid. So, mm. like, I already really liked Robin Williams. So seeing him yeah. do that, I, I felt like seeing him reserved was a fun change, you know? So I, I did. Yeah, I don't know it. when I saw... Well, yeah, it would have been post-Aladdin uh, mm-hmm. uh, for me. Poof, what do you need? Poof, what do you need? <laughs> 1993. It's a... Look at him. Jurassic Park and Schindler's List. Same That's, year. I mean... Poof, poof, poof. Come on. Yeah, that's a good. That's it's. It is funny that Hook is right in the in the middle of those kind of movies. But uh, yeah, well, t- yeah. take it away, man. Jurassic Park he, and Lost I mean, World. He was uh, directing Schindler's List while editing Jurassic Park. Wow, I think is how the set goes. Because like Jurassic Park came out in June, yeah, June, and uh, Schindler's List came out in December, which is you know pretty far apart when when you think about it. Yeah, uh, I think he tried to replicate it in 1997 to maybe a little less fanfare but i mean yeah i mean jurassic park changed the game for so many things i've talked about it nonstop, but i mean <laughs> that's it i mean it's the thing it's the, those camera angles that are always looking up at the dinosaurs so you realize how big they are the first movie balances the dinosaurs are scary versus dinosaurs are are, are inspiring he, he kind of recycles some ideas i mean he puts that hat on alan grant you know he's trying to harken back to indiana jones mm. But when you think about how, like, that car scene in the tree has no dinosaurs, yeah, that's intense. When you think about how the scene with Timmy on the fence has no dinosaurs, right? You know, these scenes that just don't have dinosaurs that are just like, oh my gosh, that is a stressful scene. Yeah, I got no bad things to say about those dinosaurs. I know. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't dream of asking you to say a bad thing. That, about that. that T Rex. I mean, she's just so pretty. I love her. Yeah, and it's just so funny too to see like how many things they planned on doing like the end of jurassic park was supposed to be this like brutal battle between like alan grant like riding this like tractor thing Mm. and like driving into them and maybe like impaling them to dinosaur bones and then he's like oh wait we can't end the movie without the t-rex yeah let's just do this then (laughs) yeah it's a pretty epic battle in the sega game that's all that's all i'll say mm, sure it's just you know the same horror things like like, the T-Rex is scary before you see the full T-Rex. Mm-hmm. Like, you see its claws on the fence. You see its, like, neck and head. But you until it b- comes out of that fence completely for that, like, shot, it's still just like, oh, my gosh, is that a T-Rex? Don't tell me it's a T-Rex. And the raptors, which were like, you know, nobody knew what raptors were yeah, yeah. When, when Jurassic Park came out. And then all of a sudden, it's like everybody knew what raptors yeah, were. Everybody the, was calling it a Donicus a raptor. They're, you the, can't... they're the rock stars. Yeah, I mean, that was as... Uh, the market everything i mean they must have known it was going to make so much money because like the marketing the it the the merch that was out there it's crazy and then also yeah he did schindler's list which you know is (laughs) this gosh what's the is it seinfeld that are like jerry and his girlfriend were making out during this yeah everybody's so mad at him yeah like how could you because it did it had that like it's it's a depressing film i watched it in college um and it's just like you just watch it and it's like oh my gosh can we be done it's just brutal it's just an emotional like you're an emotional wreck when it's over uh because it's using liam neeson to tell this like important emotional story or witnessing all this stuff that happens but then he's also just doing the this is how they did that you know like yeah. the like almost kind of documentary it's it's horrible it's a horrible yeah. time yeah so uh, i think he tried to replicate that 1993 year because then it's 1997 where he does the lost world and amistad right 
And I think you're getting, I think people feel like there's a lot of uh, diminishing returns with both of those. Mm. Um, I liked Amistad. I was surprised that I liked it. Matthew McConaughey is in it, like young. Anthony Hopkins mm-hmm. and Morgan Freeman. Yeah. And it's just the, the story of a slave ship where the they're trying to figure out what happens to the slaves on there now that it's been stopped, whether or not they are still property or if they're people who should be able to go home. The Lost World, I mean, when I talk about The Lost World, I imagine you get the same way I get when you're talking Hook. No, I just bask in your love for it. That's all. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, my love for The Lost World the is great. Yeah, I know it is. Um, 98 was Saving Private Ryan. I can't imagine you've seen this movie. It's a I meat have it. grind. I know. Minutes. I know. I've always, I've always wanted to see it, and I just feel like the violence would never, I would never get over it. Violence isn't like the, like, you know, John Wick is violent. This mm-hmm. thing is just, I mean, as soon as those doors drop, it's just, it's, it's horrible. You feel like, uh, I think a lot of reasons why people kept coming back to this movie or like to see it again is just because like that first, however long the storming of Normandy Beach is, is like, it's a technical marvel, but it's also just like, I don't know. It's, you I don't know if you've ever seen anything like that before. Yeah. It's just because after that scene, it does become more of a traditional war movie with like the Spielberg emotional sensibilities. But it's it's hard to watch that opening mm-hmm. now. I mean, the ocean just gets red with blood so fast. It. I mean, it's important, you know, seeing what that looked like. Yeah. And that scene, like I played a, a game on the PS2 called Medal of Honor Frontline. And it has a storming beach scene and it was almost a lot of it was shot for shot trying to do this movie oh, okay. i think it just influenced how people see these things yeah and then you know Spielberg went on to produce uh band of brothers right and uh the pacific and a lot of that mentality kind of went that way yeah i i don't know i don't know if you could handle it. it's because it is a long this this says uh 23 minutes just the pure carnage it's horrible That's, just what yeah you can do to each I just other can't, I, that kind of thing i just cannot get out of my mind it just yeah tortures well me. yeah it's it's brutal that's how we ended the 90s yeah though so he had a pretty good year in the 90s like money like even if you don't care for lost world it made a lot it made a lot of money oh, sure. yeah uh, and then you know save it private ryan was the highest grossing movie in america that year schindler's list oscar is all that stuff uh, 2001, we start getting into kind of a weird Spielberg phase. Mm-hmm. He gets very sci-fi, but then he also gets very real, real world and adult. Yes, we begin. And, we begin the run of movies where Spielberg directs Tom Hanks with a funny accent, right? Uh, Tom Hanks. Well, y- yeah. After three movies, because the first one is AI, artificial yeah. intelligence, which is a weird film. That's like a mix of uh, Stanley Kubrick and then Spielberg's like emotion, which I don't think Kubrick has ever experienced an emotion in his life. <laughs> That's why we're so, not doing a Kubrick spotlight. I think I think the only emotion he's ever experienced was fear, and it was causing of. <laughs> so, yeah, AI. Have you seen AI? I know I haven't actually. I don't know if you could handle this now that you're a dad. Yeah. That's what I hear. They're, they're at the beginning, yeah, the 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 beginning stuff. I mean, the whole story is just this robot boy who's representing Pinocchio, which Spielberg loves. My you know. son does not look unlike a young Haley Joel Osment. Either, yeah, I so. see. Oh, you. The, <laughs> no, you know what? Just skip it. You don't need okay. to see AI. All it's, right. It's just a sad movie with not a lot of 
the light in it is coming from the AI character from Haley Joel Osment. It's, oh, yeah, just thinking about it is making me sad. Holy yeah. crap. But Minority Report. Now, we've talked about Minority Report excessively on the podcast. We even did a poll to see if yeah. it was underrated or not. But, no, I think, I remember seeing this one in theaters. I thought it was great then. I think it's great now. I, I think it's just a really clever, compelling mystery. I think it's great. It has that, like, the adult sensibility he's going for in a lot of ways, but still has, like, some pretty ridiculous, like, action moments. Yeah. That, like, you know, like, the scene where they're first trying to arrest Tom Cruise and, like, don't run. And, like, they always run. And then, like, it ends. I remember a lot of people joke, like, thinking it's hilarious how he get he escapes from them by getting into a car factory and just getting out of a yeah, car that... that was made around him. Yeah. So had, no, uh, I, know, I know you've read a bunch of Philip K. Dick. Have you happened to read the, the I story haven't read that that's minority based on? Report, okay. No, but the, yeah, the movie's great. We rewatched it fairly recently because my wife hadn't seen it. Yeah, that's when we all watched it again, and it mm-hmm. was still like I couldn't remember how it ended. Yeah, there was a lot of beats in there that I, that it, that I was kind of still surprised at. Yeah, that was the first Tom Cruise and Spielberg one, which seems kind of crazy because they were huge names yeah. in the 80s and 90s. Both of them like rocked the 80s and 90s. And then the new millennium came around like, let's try a few movies together, huh? Well, it, that's it, it, in a similar way, I was shocked when uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp came out and it was the first time Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer were ever in anything yeah, together. I mean, yeah, it just seems like, of course, they like ran into each other at the water cooler at Universal Studios yeah, and were in movies together, but no. We're huge names doing like similar movies, yeah. but never crossed Never paths, together. Ever. It's very kind bizarre. Catch Me If You Can, which is like, which is great i loved catch me if you can and that was that was fun because i remember as a kid i listened to frank abingdale on the radio like telling that story so i'd heard (laughs) a lot of the story before and as i was watching the movie i was like this is that radio show you know yeah that i heard him being interviewed forever ago but yeah this this is the start of tom hanks has an accent with uh steven spielberg (laughs) it's interesting because like it's not the same type of movie that like people think of like as fun action-packed Spielberg, yeah. but this is like a very fun and light yeah. film. That's like, I mean, it's 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 cool. It's yeah. a cool film, which I I think is a strong suit. I okay, so I haven't seen the Terminal. That's with Tom Hanks with an accent where he's stuck in the Terminal because his country has been res- dissolved, yeah. so he no longer has a visa. D- this no is longer- now I have seen the Terminal, and I got to say, until we were going to do this, and you said, "Oh, I guess I have to watch the Terminal." I did not know that this was a Spielberg movie because to oh, me, yeah. it's just kind of like a goofy rom-com with Catherine Zeta-Jones and Tom Hanks. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Uh, you know, right. I mean, I just, you know, but yeah, Catch, Catch Me If You Can is one of my have. favorites. I love Catch Me If You Can. But this one yeah. was just kind of like, okay, whatever. War of the Worlds and Munich, all the same, both the same year. So I guess he, he likes to do, he does an adventure. He does yeah. the one for them, one for me thing, but like the same year. Uh, War of the Worlds was huge. Yeah, I remember that. I saw that one in theaters and it was like, I get, I knew what I was going to see. I was like, I like Spielberg. It's got Tom Cruise. It's going to be this big side. But like, it was like the action alien movie you get from Spielberg after he's done Saving Private Ryan. Because mm, like that, that first reveal where you get the tripod coming out of the ground and it's just like vaporizing people is brutal. Yeah. Do you? The movie is just like this tense. It's not fun in the same way Jurassic Park and Indiana Jones are yeah, fun. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still... It doesn't have a lot of lightness to it. No, but, like, you think about, like, the scenes, like, they're all just so intense. Like, they're them leaving the city with those things out. With the the, the whole ferry 
boat scene where everybody's trying to get on the ferry boat. Yeah. Like when I'm ever in a crowd, I'm just like, this is this is too much, man. Yeah, and yeah. then the Tim Robbins stuff is oh, like, I oh, know. Gosh, I know. shut up, Tim Robbins. I know. They have the only van that works, and people are like trying to rip the windshield off. Oh, I mean, my gosh. that movie, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I got to imagine that one still holds up pretty well. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. I, I know people who get very sick of uh, the actress. She was a child. Oh, Dakota Fanning. Dakota Fanning, because she screams a lot. She, well, she's very like she's very flat. Her performance in that is very like we have to get out of here. Let's go. Like it's yeah. it, it is a weird choice. I don't particularly but, like it, but I, I think it makes sense. He, you know? He's like a bad dad, and she's kind of like a spoiled, everything needs to fit in the box kind of thing. It all makes sense, but that doesn't always mean you want to hear it at full volume. Yeah. yeah. So the problem with World of Worlds that keeps it for me, I mean, it's just he softens up over the years. And so when you get to the end, you're a little pissed by the, the happy ending we're yeah. tagged with. Yeah. And yeah, it sort of feels like, was this Spielberg or Chris Columbus? Because I can't yeah, tell at this point. Yeah. I know. And like you get it, you're like, all right, you're dad. You you wouldn't go on the alien ship at the end of that. But at the same, did you ever see Munich? No, no, I didn't. I watched Munich. uh, Gosh, maybe like in 2007, I had rented it. It's there's some intense scenes in there, like scenes where they're planning to assassinate somebody, but then somebody else is there and they have to stop it. These discussions about uh, homelands and everything. It's a that's a depressing movie. I mean, that's the movie you're getting from that like 90s Spielberg that's starting to show up, mm. but there's still those scenes. It's like tension. It comes from the whole, uh, Alfred Hitchcock mentality. Yeah. Where, yeah. Like we know there's a bomb and that's, what's making it tense for yeah, us. Exactly. And it's, yeah, it, it has a lot of stuff to, to say, but it also has some pretty intense moments, but it's also brutal. And it's hard to watch the opening scenes that kind of continue through the movie because it's all about the, uh, the Olympics, mm. uh, where the Olympians had been murdered. And there's some brutal scenes in there with knives that I wish I hadn't seen. Ooh. All right. Why don't you defend crystal skull <laughs> came out in 2008? Yes. We closed the odds with, uh, Indiana Jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull. You know, this is a movie that I've gone back and forward on. And I really feel like at the end of the day, a lot of this movie could be fixed with editing. You know, I, I think that the ending where you actually see the things that you see, the aliens, um, mm-hmm. is just a step too far. You know, I just think it and a lot of like the 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 Lucasy stuff with like the goofy CGI animals peppered throughout it. I think there's a lot of this movie when you watch it again, because we watched it. I don't know. We rewatched Indiana Jones not too long ago. And we watched Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and it was the first time I've seen it in a really long time. And. I feel like now, I like I, if I'm going to watch the Indiana Jones movies, I'm going to watch Crystal Skull. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm not. I don't think it's so bad that you need to excise it from the process. I just feel like there's a lot of stuff that's really like truly good, and several things that are pretty unfortunate. Mm. How do you feel? Well, not that way. Okay. I watched it. I didn't see it in theaters. I waited and I was house sitting for a friend that was babysitting their cat. So I was like, I'll watch. They have this on DVD. I'll watch this. And I was just kind of like, boy, this is not doing it for me. But you know what? You watched it alone while you were babysitting? It was a cat. I watched it with a group at at the drive-in. You know, I think that's that's a big difference. I just think... This movie is the like when people are like no we don't want the Ghostbusters recast we want Ghostbusters with the original mm. I'm like all right you want eighty year old Bill Murray as your Ghostbuster you want 
you know, just the idea that like you want all the same things. You can't watch Terminator unless it has Schwarzenegger, even though he's, you know, basically dripping off of a exoskeleton, off of a well, skeleton. It's just kind of like, okay, you want more Indiana Jones? Well, by 2008, do you really want 60-year-old Indiana Jones? I mean, and, and by 2021, do you really want 80-year-old yeah, Indiana Jones? Yeah, I just, it just kind of shows that, like, fans need to, I don't well, know, he... In an interview, Spielberg said, I was making this for you. And I was like, don't you put this evil on me, Spielberg. Don't (laughs) you blame this on me. I think the problems with that movie are more George Lucas than Steven Spielberg. But That's true, because he wrote it, yeah. I think you see some some nods to the fact that they were realizing that that it was kind of... I think they had in their mind a torch passing of, of sorts. I think that it was kind of meant to be that Harrison Ford was more in the Sean Connery role with Hollywood superstar Shia LaBeouf kind of taking the mantle. You see that with the hat in the end and all that, yeah. even though Indy does take it. I, I think that that was a nod to that. And maybe had it been better received, we might have seen some sort of Shia LaBeouf continuation yeah. of the series which i'm glad we didn't but i do sort of think that was the thinking at the time i guess i just think that without that you just say indiana jones and you just have a great trilogy and now you have this and you have this situation where you have to make a decision as a viewer true and i i don't like having to do that anymore it's the but same thing with the Bourne trilogy. A, well yes jason Bourne is a terrible movie but i feel like with indiana jones too i mean you already had like a sanctioned continuation with the young indiana jones chronicles even even including an old harrison ford in, in an episode too so it's like there already was sort of apocryphal indiana jones out there so you know if you want to yeah. lump crystal skull with the young indiana jones chronicles and god bless you i think that's fine uh, you want to talk right. you want to talk about a movie that i hate let's talk about the teens here and get into the adventures of Tintin. yeah he comes into the uh 2010 Oof. different so adventures of Tintin. that's the all cgi one that was supposed to like peter jackson produced it and he directed it and then they were supposed to switch roles for the sequel. Oh. And that never happened. I don't think it made enough money. Did you see it? Yeah. I, I But I didn't see it in the theaters. I saw oh, it I did. A, a, on DVD or something. Yeah. I saw it, you in, saw theaters. it in theaters. I did. Yeah. And I mean, we, we I was looking forward to it. It wasn't like I was dragged reluctantly. I was like, this will be fun. You know, I mean, I like animated stuff and I like Steven Spielberg and I mm. liked, you know, it's, it, it's kind of a retro vibe to it. But I truly hated that movie. I've only seen it the one time in theaters. Maybe I'd feel differently now, but that yeah, there was I don't nothing know. for me in that. I don't know if what what was the problem with it. I mean, it's slow. It's ridiculously slow. It in is. Parts. Yeah. And I think maybe he just... I mean, it's 3D computer animated if you can't get in there. Yeah. Maybe that's the thing. And then you're like, so instead of like telling actors and you're controlling like every scene, now you're relying on animators. But yeah, it seemed very slow. There's that one scene that people tend to point at, like the big one tracking shot as they're all going down the hill and there's like a dam breaking and there's a car chase and everything. But the thing is like, technically that's like very impressive and it's like a this big moment of fun but it's not surrounded by other fun stuff no and like you could really just use that as like a a tech piece to like show people like it's a demo reel at that point and then he did warhorse which i only just saw recently but i thought was great and i can't find anyone who's seen warhorse no i think it's just you i think it's it crazy it made it made money did it anyways this is where spielberg has said like he saw the play and it made him cry and you know people always like oh you you put too much of your heart on your sleeve it's like i know i know what i'm doing you think i'm like 
And also, Warhorse made me cry. I didn't have to make Warhorse sad. Watching the play made me right. sad, and then I... But, like, the thing is... I mean, Tintin made me cry, but for different reasons, so... <laughs> the end of Warhorse, the emotional, like, trek at the end, is, like, something I feel like Spielberg can do. And, like, if I start describing to you, it's just this, like, and then, and then, and then, like, the horse gets caught in wires and they bring him back and so his foot's not great so they're gonna have to put him down meanwhile the boy who has raised him and loves him is just a couple of blocks down and he's blind from some gas and so he doesn't know his horse is there meanwhile the vet is planning to put the horse down and you're like the boy's just there right there and so then, like, the, the kid whistles, because that's how the horse answers, and the horse looks up, and everybody's like, huh, well, put the horse back down, we're going to shoot it, and then he whistles again, and you're just like, stop! And it's, I like, just, it's I lightly to... snowing, and there's, like, warm lights coming from the insides of the house, and it's all just, like, incredibly well done, even though it's not an action scene. Are you, have we just spoiled War Horse? No, I didn't say whether or not... Uh, I didn't say what happens to the horse. I like. To yeah, think I, that, I'm sorry I spoiled the nine-year-old Warhorse film that no one has watched. I like to think that Warhorse and Seabiscuit got married and just retired yeah. on a nice farm with lots of apples. It's a PG-13 war film, so there are scenes in I can like World War One that's handled differently, but it's still like, oh man, World War One sucks. Yeah, it really did. Yeah, but yeah, I was just kind of surprised because it had. I don't know. It's just such like a classic great. I wish more people would talk about Warhorse with me. It's anyway, I think Warhorse is worth a revisit if you hadn't seen it. And Lincoln, Nick loves Lincoln. He thought it should have won the Oscar in 2012. I do, and I do think that. Yeah. Daniel Day Lewis is amazing in it. I think I just think it's yeah. a really really well done movie start to not finish. I was going to say start to finish. It's not no, a great movie not start not to finished. finish. That end is the worst schmaltziest thing I've ever seen in my life. It suddenly becomes a movie that was made for like A&E in 1999. I don't know what he was thinking. We all know Lincoln dies, Steven Spielberg. We all yeah. know Lincoln dies. That's the one thing people do know. Lincoln dies. You don't yeah. need to There's a perfect ending scene and then we go to that that flickering candle and like what the Gettysburg address I don't even remember but it's terrible everything up until that point though golden what won that year oh it was Argo yeah we're all talking about Argo today uh i i probably would have given it to life of pi but that's neither here nor there that's back in 2012 argo was such a snooze fest which surprises me because i i feel like a lot of affleck's directorial stuff is great i mean the town is amazing but argo was slow slow it was 10 10 slow lincoln is good bridge of spies is a nice story Mm. but it doesn't necessarily translate into a movie you want to watch two and a half hours no and that's a situation where i feel like whoever was marketing the movie recognized the problem better than the people making the movie because it's marketed much more as like a courtroom drama kind of movie and it is very much not a courtroom drama bridge of spies and the post it's it's like i know spielberg is older and i know he wants to tell these mature stories and stuff but i see these things i'm like what i get it i get that the post is an important story but it's also you just sit there and like wow i just watched a textbook (laughs) yeah although i would take i would take the post over bridge of spies any day of the week there's and the post is the same thing where like i liked the at the end where Meryl Streep's like, you know, uh, the newspaper's important and people, I'm like, we get it, okay? It's 2017 when this movie comes out. We mm-hmm. get what you're We're trying aware. to say. We, we don't need it. that. Wow. Um, that's, that, is a, that is a perfect example of how slow 
time has gone lately. The fact that the post was only 2017 is yeah. shocking to me. I haven't seen the BFG. That was supposed no. to be a big deal because it was a Disney movie and it was the first, you know, Spielberg and Disney together. Right. But I'm not, I don't understand what Spielberg is loving with Mark Rylance. I mean, it's like, okay, yeah, he's good. Yeah, that's true. I did see Ready Player One in theaters. You didn't like Ready Player One. I saw it with you, no. And I I mean, I never read the book. I didn't really have much attachment mm-hmm. to the story. But no, I, that one didn't really cut it for me either. But I think a lot of that, too, was casting. I don't remember that actor's name who plays the lead role in that. But Ty something. He's, he plays Cyclops. I don't a, know how he keeps getting work, honestly. I really don't. Dark Phoenix. He was the young Cyclops in the yeah. movies. Well, I liked Ready Player One, yeah, because I liked the book. But I the movie makes a lot of changes so that it's not really... A lot of the stuff I liked in the book don't I translate. I fully don't understand why we have The Shining in the middle of that movie. Yeah, you know, I've actually I don't get that up at to all. that scene have you? now because okay. I've watched it with oh, other whatever. people, and they have reacted to it, like, well. Huh. Like, I showed it to family, and they were like, oh, no, they're in The Shining. And I'm like, oh, okay. I don't get it, but okay. Mm. I think of that opening race where the kids in the yeah. DeLorean. Yeah. And, I, like, that's the kind of, like, controlled chaos that probably, you know, they were trying to do with something like Tintin yeah. with that chase scene. But, like, it's just, like, it's just it's wacky racers and Mario Kart on crack <laughs> uh, and everything. Wait, you was have, Dick like, Dastardly in there? Because I would have been might, on board I, for he that. He could have been. I think he but you have was. all these cars. You have the bicycle from Akira and everything. And they're, like, smashing up. People are blasting into coins. You have uh, Wrecking Balls just there. The T-Rex shows up. King Kong shows up. Yeah. And it's the kind of thing that, like, you give it to another director and it's going to give you a headache. But Spielberg just keeps it all just, like, so focused that, like... You never feel like he's not in control of that chaos. Picture, if you will, a Michael Bay Ready Player One. Oh my gosh! Um, <laughs> it would be the, it would be twice as long and ninety yeah, percent grinding like Ready Player metal. One. I think it's the closest we've gotten to like '80s adventure Spielberg in a long time. Oh, well, yeah, I agree with, with that, that one. I think it's yeah. I think the uh, like the end battle maybe has some issues, but I think it's still kind of like I watched it. I watched it with my sisters, and they're hard to get to like anything. Lots of times, my sisters, you know, something is boring until proven fun. Mm-hmm. But they, they liked, you know, when uh, when they started throwing Chucky around, like, they were laughing hysterically. The All these, like, all the cameos that I think maybe annoyed you, they were digging. I don't so, think I then, was annoyed by the cameos. I just think okay. the, the tone, just overall, I don't know. It was never It was never as fun or as cohesive mm-hmm. as I wanted it to be. I think it's pretty fun, well, but you know, it's I've seen like mixed stuff. I'm not uh, I'm not surprised. There, there's plenty of people who don't like it. I think some people just don't like the story in general too. Yeah, well, that could be. I, I really like the scene at the end with surprisingly Mark, Mark Ry- Rylance. Yeah. yeah, but there's something about that attic that just feels so warm and homey. Okay. Anyways, West Side Story was supposed to come out yeah, this that's year. That's where we'd be right now. Yeah, no. West the only Side movie story. that came out this year was New Mutants and Tenet, and that's just because Christopher Nolan thought he could cure coronavirus by putting a movie into theaters. <laughs> Yeah, that's so. true. I I was puzzled when they said Spielberg was going to direct West Side Story. I'm okay, all right. I'm bummed Go because ahead. it's not like he's a young no. rooster. What do you say? You could say he's not. I mean, he's not a young rooster. That's he's a not. Fact. He's not a young buck anymore. You yeah. know, he's only got so many indies, and so he's got. He announced West Side Story and then Indiana Jones Five, and it's just kind of like. But he's not directing Indiana Jones Five. No, so. but at one point it seemed like that was going to happen. Well, yeah, so it's like, these could be your last two movies yeah. ever, Spielberg. And you want to make a fifth bad Indiana Jones and then remake West Side Story? I know. I'm bummed because he was attached to Robopocalypse. I remember And that. I thought that was right in his wheelhouse. Yeah. It would have been so cool. And then it went to Michael Bay. 
<laughs> so, I I am bummed that West Side Story is you know there. I keep hoping every now I I guess I I saw this article that was saying like Spielberg didn't get bad. It's that his fans refused to grow up with him, and that like you know he was doing these fun adventure films that he wanted to do in his youth, and then he got older and he wanted to cover more serious topics like Munich and Lincoln and. Uh, Saving Private Ryan and maybe like his fans that love Indiana Jones and Jaws didn't want to grow didn't want to follow him down that path And so like I try to say like that kind of like yes You're right. It is important to make important films and have Spielberg make these important <laughs> films But I'm also like just make another movie with dinosaurs or saber-toothed tigers Is there some kind of boat film you can make? Is there... <laughs> I mean, I guess that's Jaws, but yeah, it's always just like okay You want to make this movie about you know racism in the 1800s or some adventure set in like the outback of Australia, yeah. some kind of like Nazi gold. Mm. That's you know, it's just. And then like, <laughs> you know, there's a flood. There's a flood in the desert of Australia. Yeah, look out! Uh, uh, Let's run our barrels. That's fun. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, are you excited for West Side Story? No. I mean, I guess it would be nice if. You can watch West Side Story without all like the racism that's involved in the original movie. Sure, yeah. But also, it seems a weird choice for Spielberg because it's like, well, shouldn't somebody who I isn't Spielberg the rest of West Side Story? I mean, yeah, I, I I agree with you, and I I yeah, I don't get it at all, honestly. I mean, I suppose I probably will see it, but no, I don't really understand it. It's weird, just like why no, we have Spielberg remaking a movie. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah, that's what's weird to me. It is very but, strange. I don't know. Uh, as long as Mark Rylance isn't in it. Spielberg. Spielberg is your top? Would you say he's your favorite director? I mean, he's the director I maybe look up the most okay. to. There are directors that I like and I get excited for. Like, I've, you know, I've teased Christopher Nolan, but I've, I've seen, you know, all the Christopher Nolan films and get yeah. excited when there's a new one out. There's plenty of directors that I like, both big and small. But there is just this thing about Spielberg, I mean, to be that successful with that many movies. Like, you yeah. can list all those movies. And I think it was Kevin Smith uh, on his podcast where they were ranking his movies. And Kevin Smith's like, these are, you know, this is a list of movies I've seen. Yeah. That's what this is. The idea that, like, you can just list Spielberg movies and, like, yeah, all right, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah I've seen that. Of course yeah. I've seen that. Right. His worst films, the ones you don't want to talk to about, still made, like, $300 million at the box office. <laughs> you know? Right, yeah. I guess that's the thing, like, plenty, you know, the, the, the art students want to be Scorsese, but I'd probably prefer to be Spielberg myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make, uh, make these big, fun adventure movies at times that people want to see. Right. And then just bring that showmanship over and it's like, okay, you liked what I did with uh, Indiana Jones and Jaws? Well, now I'm applying all that craft to uh, Normandy. And it's yeah. like, oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, no. This is what Jaws would be like if he was the Nazis. Yes. Well, we have many of these right in our very own collection here at the David A. Howe Public Library, so you can request or check out any of these, or any that we don't have, we can certainly get in your greedy little hands. So let us know, and we will hook you up. Um, I was buying DVDs. Had to make sure that we had the Indiana Jones films and all the Jurassic Park films. And yeah. I think, didn't we get a whole, somebody donated Jaws 2 to the library? I think, yeah, I think there was something like yeah. that. Yeah, And it was one of those like, oh, thanks, but no thanks, pal. <laughs> I mean, we added it, and it checked out. Oh, sure, which yeah. Which really made me mad. It made you it angry. It makes me mad when okay. people are checking out Jaws 2 and ignoring, like, the new low-budget yeah. film. Like, Jaws 2 is your movie pick tonight? Jaws 2 is so bad. It's so bad. It's so much so, worse than you think it is. Uh, anyway. Did you have a favorite one? Did you say a favorite? Is it Hook? Well, no, it's definitely not Hook. I mean, that's so hard to pick. Is it I, the Indiana Jones movies? 
I mean, I guess probably I would have to say that, but I'm really drawn to Jaws as well. I feel like Jaws as an experience is just so good, you know? And Indiana Jones just feels like a different type of thing. So it's really, it's it's a, it's hard to say because they're, they're difficult to compare, you know? They're just so unique. There's so many of them that stand on their own, you know? And I, I mean, I love Lincoln. I love Catch Me If You Can. There's many in here that, uh, that Honestly, would be on my top list of movies. Like, I need to watch War of the Worlds again right now. Yeah. I don't know. Put that on. Yeah, please. do it. I mean, is it is it Jurassic Park for you, favorite-wise? Yes, but that seems unfair. It does, because, yeah. It's never stopped well, you, At though. the same time, it it is fair, because if Jurassic Park had been done by someone else, there are dinosaurs... You know, I don't say King Kong. I mean, I love King Kong. The point is, you can make a bad dinosaur movie. I'm not watching We're Back on a regular basis. What about Theodore Rex with Whoopi? No, I'm not watching that. Okay. I'm not, you know, but... I think if it had been a bad, you know, I don't watch Jurassic Park 3 on the regular. Right. But I think, yeah, I think it's just Jurassic Park because I think it's almost the perfect showy, adventure Spielberg with some, like, the the sci-fi things that he's going to start doing more so with Minority Report and AI and everything. And, you know, then The Lost World gets darker. I don't know. If you took Jurassic Park out of the equation, it's hard. Part of me would probably say... Uh, Last Crusade. No, but I, I really thought like you'd go you, E.T. I thought you'd go E.T. Well, I was going to yeah, but I think, like you, Jaws is also just, like, you look at it so like, well, I don't know, there's nothing bad about Jaws, I know, it's true, there's really not. So, That's but, some I bad mean, hat, Harry. It, it's one of those things, uh, you know, War of the Worlds and Minority Report is so good, Very and I'm good, a sucker yeah. for War Horse, apparently. I'm the only one, you know, I should hang, if I ever meet Spielberg, I'd be like, I, I loved War Horse, he'd be like, yeah. oh my gosh. You know, no War one's no one. one's ever said that to me before. That's You're the person great. that rented that digital version of War Horse a few years ago. <laughs> that was me. Nice to get alone. the recognition. That's nice. Yeah. Alright, well, thanks for tuning in for our extended Spielberg spotlight here. <laughs> Join yeah. us next week. It's Dino-vember, baby. Was oh, that it? Yeah.